Welcome to The Observer Effect, a podcast of travel stories. Each week we hope to bring you a conversation with someone we meet overseas and at least one good story. Episode 93, NGO Hopping, India, where Matthias led his blind great-grandfather. What can I say? Matthias is amazing. I'm so fortunate to have met him, even if so briefly. What a great example of how travel can set the course of your life in the right direction, especially when it begins at such a young, impressionable age. This is the only time we've spoken, a year and a half ago now, but I certainly hope not the last, and I hope I can call us friends. I say friends in Primo Levi's larger sense of the word, persons seen only once or frequented my whole life, provided that between us, at least for a moment, a string stretched, a well-defined thread. Thank you, Matthias, for talking with me that winter day. So my first question is, um, can you describe what you look like for my audience? <laughs> That's a very Your good face. one. <laughs> Your reaction. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah, that, that's a fun one. Yeah, um, that's really interesting. Um, usually when I describe myself, I wouldn't take anything which is obviously visible. Yeah. So, okay. Um, I have sneakers, white sneakers. <laughs> I wear black skinny jeans and a hoodie. So this is something I would wear all the time. I have brown hair, brown eyes, and I, I'm from Austria, but mostly people would not recognize me that I'm from Austria. They would either say I'm from Eastern Europe or sometimes even from South America, but yeah, that's how I look like. Fantastic. <laughs> and I'm a very handsome boy for everybody who is <laughs> listening. We can advertise handsome, for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so why are you in Berlin? We're, we're meeting in Berlin right yes. now. Why are you here? So, first of all, I love Berlin, and second, I came because I'm meeting my project partner, Karina. She's based in Berlin, and we do a lot of international projects together, and yeah, we try to visit each other as often as we can. Mm. So, we work on the digital participation camp where we every year invite 100 people from all over the world to Germany to um, bring them, first of all, skills. Like It's like an unconference. Everybody can bring skills, and everybody learns something. And we give them the infrastructure to live, learn, and do study projects together mm-hmm. for social good. Mm-hmm. So it's like a 10 days hackathon, more or less, where everybody can work on projects for social good in the digital field. Would you advertise for it right now? Uh, what, what's the? Mm-hmm. How, how can people find that? Yeah, first of all, we are a Facebook page, of course. Yeah. Just look for a digital participation camp and summit. And the thing is, we normally invite designers, social entrepreneurs, programmers, um, everybody who wants to make the state of the world better Mm -hmm. and have a certain skill in the digital field to um, use the skills to make something happen. And we have incredible projects where really digital media can actually have um, a very concrete impact in special countries. For example... So, for example, we have one project, it's um, from Ghana, which helps um, farmers in Ghana to produce and to sell, produce more food and to sell food more to, 
to a fairer price with SMS service. So it's an automat automatic SMS service where farmers can text somewhere and they get immediately infos about prices or um, infos about um, how they can save their corn and things on. Mm. The same system was then transformed to help women in Ghana during um, their pregnancies, mm. like with simple SMS services, because everybody has a normal phone. Nobody has smartphones, but the majority have phones. And it's an automatic system which gives tips what to do during a pregnancy. Mm. And we can see that there are very concrete um, examples where women survive pregnancy without access to a doctor just by following simple rules via SMS. Yeah. Or we have a social media platform in the Middle East which helps women after sexual assaults what to do. Um, for example, in the United Arab em Emirates, um, if a woman, for example, gets raped, mm -hmm. if she fails to provide three Muslim male witnesses who can say that this sex was without um, consent, she would go also to jail for nine months for um, having sex without a marriage, wow. although she's the victim. Wow. And many people don't know that. So they are... So it would be quite fatal for a woman to go to the police because she would put herself even more in danger. So there are platforms which give this information and it's, again, always a social media product with a very concrete um, social impact or environmental impact which goes much further than just awareness. But like we, we try to focus on projects which, which really have an impact in the end of the day. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> wonderful. I can't yeah. believe it. I'm so glad uh, <laughs> to run into you here randomly yeah, and yeah. get to hear about this. That's fantastic. And, yeah, and we, we saw the power when we bring 100 people together who have great ideas and the skills. Every year there are incredible projects coming out who really use these new technologies to make a positive impact, yeah. It's <laughs> so great. Yeah, it's, it's so it's great. incredible, really. <laughs> wow. Um, all right, for my next question, yeah. I want to do something different. I'm going to grab something. Will you hold this all right, for yeah, a second? Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> Just wait a second. All right, sure. I've always wanted to do this. Okay. I haven't yet. Like, I'm looking forward to whatever comes now. <laughs> uh, I was looking for your passport. Maybe. Ah, I have it. Ah, it's in my. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's in my pocket. Good, good practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so As I'm flying, I keep it close to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I thought I maybe you could just um, describe your passport. Ah, all right. <laughs> this is a great opportunity. I um, ah, yeah, sure. I've never, you know, I've interviewed so many people about mm -hmm. travel, but never when they have their passport That's in front of them. Ah, and yeah, sure. Before we started recording, you you mentioned that yeah. there's only one page left. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, first of all, it's a passport from the European Union, from Austria, and of course there are all my details inside. But you don't have to describe those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks, thanks. <laughs> No, it's, um, the only thing which maybe is good to know, I have it since 2010, so ah. it's now um, six years. Yeah. And I've been traveling incredible much in the last six years, more than I have, would have expected. And especially this year was incredible. I had more than 14 international travels and a lot of in the European Union um, additionally, many for work, many for pleasure. Yeah. And if I look to my passport, is really every single site is full with stamps and visas and... Except, yeah, I maybe just saw Egypt go by, and was that China yeah, or Korea? exactly like the most of them? I would say are Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> if I look inside right now, um, yeah, I've went only three times to Brazil only this year, <laughs> but very often in the last years, Jordan, China, India, a couple of times. There's Egypt. There's a lot of Turkey. 
Um, what is that China. one? I've never seen that before. This one? This is India. Yeah. Okay, okay. Wow. Wow. So which which stamp or visa or sticker are you most proud of? We're most proud of. That's also a really hard one. Hmm. Most proud, that's really, really hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of my favorites, though, is Jordan. Mm. <laughs> it's really nice. Comes like a stamp. Yeah. As the Hashemid Kingdom. It's like a really nice one. Oh, it also yeah. takes a whole full page. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, most proud of it's really hard to say. Um, I'm proud of many of my trips because mostly I go there to do something amazing in these countries. <laughs> so <laughs> um, it's really hard to say. Thank you for uh, describing that. It's yeah. a really uh, a wonder <laughs> to see that. That's yeah. awesome. So why do you? Uh, wh where does your story begin with travel? How did you get into traveling mm -hmm. so much? Um. Yeah, I need to go a little bit back. Actually, I have a very young family, which means every of my family members got their first child very young, like mm. with 18 or 19 years. Yeah. So I had a very big pleasure to still grow up with my great-grandparents, which were just in the age of other people's grandparents. Yeah. And my um, great-grandfather turned blind when, she when he retired. And because of... Yeah, he was like 60, around 60 when I was born and when he turned blind. And he had very good friends in India. Mm. And he also felt that um, India was much a better place to be um, with a small retirement than Austria. Because mm. it's very expensive, especially when it comes to healthcare services. Yeah. So he decided to move always um, half a year to India, half a year to Austria. Like always over the winter, he would be in India and he would have only people employed who will take care of him 24 hours because he's blind. He needed help all the time Yeah. from yeah cooking to medical treatments to somebody who is just there when he needs something. Oh and the other half a year, my mom and I took care of him when he was in Austria. Yeah. But as of a fact, he could not go. He's blind alone to India and back. I was in a very cool position. So when I was seven years old for the very first time, I, I really went to India and learned to love India. I went almost every year. I got really great friends in India. And when I was old enough, I think with, I think 14 the first time, I was able to also pick up my great-grandfather from India always over the Easter holidays because that's when his period ended. And he needed somebody to bring him home. And he invited me for two weeks. I would spend two weeks with my great-grandfather in India and then um, bring him home. That's so, amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm so thankful for this experience and opportunities because, yeah, India is amazing. Yeah. And I also learned to love this country out of very different eyes not really as a tourist yeah. but as a, I go every year I have friends there I have friends which in my same age which grew old with me and yeah. I could see also the development every year and yeah this this changed a lot I think this this really started my love for traveling I'm curious did you ever um, did your great-grandfather ask you to describe things around that, that kind of thing like uh, um yes especially I, what, what a tragedy for him to yeah. move to India without sight. without seeing yeah I, I've never been but I imagine yeah. it's a really colorful it's incredibly colorful place. of course yeah, yeah like especially especially colorful is exactly the word for India it's so diverse in in the colors of the people in the colors of the of the clothes of the spices like it's so diverse I mean it's like your own continent in itself yeah but of course, like especially dealing with a blind person, you f 
of course you start in the very detail every little step you take over a door I don't know how to say this in uh, English but uh, the doors threshold well, yeah the threshold yeah, yeah. like you need to tell him that hey we're going somewhere and there is now something but also to explain what is going on around yeah but he had of course a very different experience in India of course but he was listening and tasting India yeah. a lot which is also fantastic of yeah. course so <laughs> that's amazing yeah so that uh, inspired you to keep traveling then? Yes. Um, I always love to travel so much because of this. Yeah. And um, very soon, so in Austria, we have something which is called a, a compulsory military service. Mm. So every Austrian male needs to do this service after school. Yeah. And you have a chance to refuse, but then you need to do a longer alternative service. Mm. And I always knew I don't want to serve the army. I, I cannot, like... Yeah, have this in my consciousness to, to shoot another person. Mm -hmm. So I had to sign a contract with the state of Austria and say, like, I cannot do it, but I can do an alternative service. And I went nine months to work as a paramedic for the Red Cross. Yeah. And also there, I think I learned quite a lot about how to, how to work with handicapped people, how to work with sick people, how to work with minorities, how to work in super stressful, dangerous situations when it comes to accidents and so on. And I think I learned also very much to like how to contribute a little bit, like how to give back to when we are very privileged, let's say like that. Mm -hmm. And I decided in this time to do a one year world trip mm. as in my gap year before I start university. Yeah. So um, this was like the second most important thing I ever did in my life. <laughs> Traveling nine months also at nine and a half months once around the world. And not just visiting in all the countries, but to try to find people in these countries who do amazing things. Mm. Like visiting NGOs, um, finding out which problems these countries have and which solutions local people have found for these problems to learn also for myself. And yeah, this is where it all started. My love for traveling, my love for cultural how I say it, NGO hopping to, to really get in deep inside a culture and also to get these learnings and bring it maybe to a next stage. That's why my partnership with Karina here in Berlin and things like that. Yeah, uh, I'm so jealous of you <laughs> because, uh, wow, that, I mean, I, I, that's kind of what I'm trying to do, but I hadn't <laughs> done it as concretely, you know, like, uh, you must have so many amazing stories of meeting NGO workers. Like incredible, yeah. Can can you tell just just one from that, that um, year, or at least one? Yes, like for example, we also a project which I'm because I loved it so much. I'm more involved with it. It's in the south center of of India in Bangalore. Okay. It's a small home. So there was one woman who decided. Um, there's so many orphans and homeless people in the slums of India. And she said she, she, she must do something about it. Mm. And she came from a wealthy family and she actually bought a piece of land a little bit outside of the city and built some, uh, some small house, also with some support from her friends from the UK. And she started to rescue um, orphan girls from slums who are either trapped in um, sexual slavery or are in domestic violence or are simply yeah, close to death through any circumstances mm. and opened a home for them and found a incredible system of self-sustainability. Mm. So she, f she rescued these girls. Meanwhile, there are 62 girls 
and they do everything by themselves. They have some cows, they have a vegetable garden, and they are almost um, yeah, self-sustainable with almost the things they do. And for me, the most incredible thing was is that every girl in this um, girl's shelter gets a role. So they are like a huge parliament and everybody is a minister. And the ministers have certain roles. For example, there's the minister for yoga, which means every day in the morning um, they do yoga together. And there's the minister for taking over the cows and the minister doing the gardening and the minister of cleaning bedrooms. So everybody has a role and its responsibility and they learn really to to help themselves and it's a very beautiful great project with yeah a lot of girls and the next step they did is actually to the do um theater and role play mm. and playing the things they um witnessed as on their own bodies mm. and create stories out of them so that other children can learn what happened to them and what is not right and wrong and there are stories incredible there 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 are girls which have been burned with like covered with fuel and burned from their own fathers and there are incredible horrific stories but the step to be rescued and next be self-sustainable and next trying all the efforts to prevent other people of doing it or or happening things happening to them is incredible yeah (laughs) that's amazing yeah it's (laughs) it's an incredible project bale money which means yeah children home basically but how do you keep all these stories? You've exposed yourself mm-hmm. to so many stories now. Do mm-hmm. you take notes, or obviously, mm-hmm. you know, you you put it into your work? Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm just curious about that process. Um, especially on India, it was it's so hard, of course, to to digest everything and to keep the things in your mind. But I found it back then. Also, also a longer story, but many of my friends told me they want to go with me to India and see the India through the eyes I can see it in besides of a beaten track of a tourism India. Because yeah. I find it horrific when these AC buses go through the slums and like through a zoo and people making pictures outside. So I said, okay, let's go to India, um, but then let's do something which is like um, more helpful to the people than just going on tourism. Yeah. And I went with 10 friends and what we did is was one month going through India, do this NGO hopping and in every NGO um, stay a couple of days and help them and support them in their work and create multimedia projects out of it. Mm-hmm. So that was, my f- that was the first time in um, 2007, very early, um, or, oh no, sorry, 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, so still very early of the days of Facebook and so on. But our, our mission was to create multimedia stories out of the good things happening there Mm. so we did mostly videos photo campaigns and also um, art campaigns like for example we had days where we gave the children um, our cameras and let them um, film whatever they find is relevant to them and had a great movie out of that in the end of the day or we also created our own movies about our experience of India because we very often found when we talk about uh, India and Austria, there's always one picture. It's very similar to Africa. It's always extreme poverty and some other cliches we know. Mm. But nobody thinks of startup India or festival India or super high-tech India. Like, it's so diverse and big. It's not just poverty which defines them, but there's so much more. Yeah. And we want to break with these stereotypes. And, yeah, what we did basically and also how to cover all these stories is 
um, creating multimedia stories yeah. and spread them via social media as best as we could. Yeah. What do you see around the corner? What uh, can you see the future? Is there momentum? What's next? Uh, it sounds like this is really <laughs> successful yeah. work that you're doing. What? What's next right now? Um, we are planning to, of course, go with our program we have with this digital participation camp on a next level in quality and numbers. We already invite 100 people every year, but we really want to create a bigger impact with the projects we do. Yeah. So it's for us, of course, a hard um, time to select the projects and the people who come, but um, we are cooperating with a project which is called the World Summit Award. They're awarding every year the 30 best projects who work in favor of the Sustainable Development Goals by the United Nations and using digital devices to do so. Mm -hmm. So this is also how a pool somehow where we find people with great ideas, with high impact. And for us, we found the biggest... Um, um, impact we can have like my Karina, my project partner and me is to um, enable these people to do their work mm. because many people have great ideas but they lack a lot of um, support from outside mm. and even it's just 10 days we give them in the day we provided these 10 days everything they have a place to sleep they have food they have human resources of any kind of steel from video makers designers and programmers and they get a little bit of money to have their hosting and to make some small campaigns. Mm -hmm. And we see that this inc gives incredible boosts to the projects, this kind of environment. And yeah, let's see how we can make it more often or yeah, bigger. Yeah. That's like the next step for us. Can you say again where people can find this? Yeah, that would be... Yeah, that's a little bit challenging because with our new <laughs> with our new strategy, we might change the name. But uh, for okay, now, okay. the name is Digital Participation Camp and Summit. That's okay. the Facebook page. There you find also the website and everything which is about us. Mm -hmm. And we'll put a link on our website. For yeah, that's too, great. So, yeah. Ah, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, like our belief is, we enable the people and then give them a stage for it. So my project partner Karina and I, we both hosting TEDx events in our cities, mm -hmm. like me in Vienna, Karina here in, in Münster. And and yeah, for us is how can we use digital media to create a little bit of better word? Because there was a digital promise that these new devices will bring us further. And we really believe in that. And that's our contribution to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fantastic. All right. Uh, last question. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> What's your best <laughs> travel story? <laughs> this is a really I impossible question. <laughs> <laughs> the best travel story. Okay. <laughs> I'll take the pressure off. I promise when I come to Vienna again, yep. I'll interview again. So okay, this doesn't have to be the best. Yeah, just just be best. a travel story. <laughs> um, a travel story. Um, <clears throat> okay actually for my Indian project I received an award also by this World Summit Youth Award from the UN and the conference was in um, Montreal in, in Canada and on stage by getting my award there were also other projects from other countries mm. and I actually met my partner on stage from Brazil and um just to meet a great person on stage is not it's not the whole of the story because it was just a four days conference that was not time enough to really fall in love <laughs> but 
Um, we both accidentally also booked the same train to New York after the conference. And we both had two additional days in New York. But also these two additional days would not really have made us fall in love, <laughs> but we really liked each other already. But what really happened is was Hurricane Sandy. And Hurricane Sandy cancelled all flights for nine days. And also all hotels were booked out in New York City. And the only place I could find was also with my Brazilian friend back then um, um, because there were some re far away Brazilian Peruvian relatives and they had a house with a cellar near to LaGuardia Airport and we really spent like nine days in a room in a cellar in New York while Hurricane Sandy was outside and that gave us enough time to actually fall in love which was great <laughs> So that's fantastic. Yeah, I think that's definitely one of the coolest <laughs> travel stories I have among a lot, <laughs> among really many. <laughs> Thank you so much to Dana Boulet for her music. And just one quick reminder. I'm going to host my second live show in a few weeks in Chicago on June 9th. More details to come soon. And at the very end of the, uh, this episode, I'm going to list the links to uh, all of Matthias's projects and also on our webpage. So check them out. And also, one more time, could you say the name of where people can find your work? Yes. For now. So, um, <laughs> the, okay, there are many links. First of all, Super Social, that's what I do. And together with supersocial.at for Austria, um, we create the digital participation camp. So that would be www.fb.com slash... Ah, now you got me. No, look for <laughs> digital participation camp and summit on Facebook. Perfect. And also, if you look up TEDx Donauinsel or TEDx Münster, these are our TEDx events. So there are yeah, quite a lot of things to find from us. Fantastic. <laughs>